With the Oscar announcements and new trailers this week, Hollywood is off to a big start. All this and more, including our review of Episode 3 of the 12th season of Doctor Who on today's episode of the Geek Watch Podcast. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 96 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. Hi, Brian. And so today's the day they just wanted to drop a bunch of trailers on us. Like in the last couple of hours, like three trailers have dropped in the last like hour, hour and a half. And so we'll, we'll definitely talk about that today. The first trailer that I saw that I wasn't expecting, actually the first two trailers we're going to talk about are for TV shows. And one of them is for a, an Apple Plus show that I hadn't even heard of. It's called Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet. That sounds very Dungeons and Dragons. That sounds very... Yes, it's very much... Actually, it's meant to, uh, meant to, for that because it's, it's about a, a startup company that's creating a new video game. Oh, okay. The show is uh, has been developed by the creators and writers of... It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, that. <laughs> so you're getting an idea of what to, what to look at. So so basically, you have a um, uh, what's what's funny about this is I guess the, the main person who's creating the game he's not a programmer. Uh, he's just basically putting the money up to do the game, and he's making himself the lead character of the game. <laughs> and so he's he's basically uh, Gary suing himself. And making himself the this big muscular barbarian fighter in this game that looks like him, and then all these other people are expected to program it and make this thing work. And and there's like one, there's another character who's a female character who, and she's just absolutely frustrated and fed up with this guy because, of course, he wants. So, do you see scenes from the video game? Or... Yes, you do. Okay, so uh, it kind of gives me a uh, the guild vibe. Yes, yeah, there's, there's a lot Felicia of that. Day, yeah, yeah, there's mm-hmm. definitely that that uh, that vibe to it as well. But uh, yeah, you just have this guy who wants to uh, he wants this video game as he puts it to be his legacy. Uh, again, it's it, it's a interesting uh, if uh, weird process to make yourself immortal. I guess is uh, I'm you know there's a, there's this cool video game character's got my face on it and hmm. he's building an entire company to do this so. Uh, so there's definitely a little bit of Silicon Valley in that, uh, if you've seen that uh, HBO show. I'm definitely intrigued by it. Uh, we also got a trailer today for Showtime trailer for the Penny Dreadful spinoff. Oh, I never uh, watched the original Penny Dreadful, but I've heard good things. Oh, yeah. I, I was uh, I was a, bit, uh, a big fan of it when uh, it was on. There was a lot of pastiches to different monsters, you know, uh, Frankenstein and... Mm. and werewolves and there was some demon possession and, and all that stuff and real I mean I, I enjoyed the show while um although again it's one of those situations where they weren't sure exactly when and how they were going to end it and so the last season was kind of it kind of um lost itself mm-hmm. and I do mean lost <laughs> the show lost so but I but I enjoyed the three seasons of it and City of Angels it's it's a spin-off but it's it's not the same thing for sure it's uh, done by the same producers uh, and writers as the original Penny Dreadful, but it's it's definitely its own thing. 
Los Angeles before it was uh, 1938. So you're dealing with a lot of, you know, on the one side, you're right before the United States enters into World War II. But it's also you have Los Angeles, of course. Uh, at this point, you know, you have the a lot of uh, Mexican citizens that are basically fighting to keep their home in a real mm-hmm. sense, you know, that Los Angeles belong to them. And so you have you have Mexicans living there fighting against, you know, basically, you know, white settlers coming in, fight basically fighting literally for the the heart of the city. Wild and, West gentrification. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Uh, but it looks it looks really interesting. Uh, Nathan Lane is uh, is in this series hmm. and uh, okay. it looks like they're they're going to go over a lot of different things. And so I'm, I'm definitely intrigued by that. Mm-hmm. But let's I've seen go that in- Natalie Dormer went over there. She came from Game of Thrones and mm-hmm. Tudors. Uh, she, she's got, you know, that kind of look to her. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. And uh, so it, it definitely uh, it definitely looks like it's going to be uh, 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 something interesting to check out for sure. Uh, let's talk a little bit of movie stuff because, uh, and you showed this to me, is I guess uh, uh, the Vin Diesel Bloodshot. The, there was a there was a trailer for it, uh, a small trailer for it back in October last year, and I totally, which yeah. I totally missed. I didn't see it, and I, I follow him on Instagram. I don't know why I missed it. Yeah, I totally missed that, but they, they came out with a new trailer uh, today. It's, of course, based off the comic book, but yeah, I, I had no idea this was out there. It, it, it completely flew under my radar, but uh, yeah, the um, it sort of has that... Uh, uh, Universal Soldier meets uh, Memento. Yeah, and uh, unless they have something else going on with this movie, and this won't be a spoiler because it's in the it's in the trailer. I think they gave away the entire movie in the trailer. The kind of secret that uh, they are imposing. He's an assassin. They were imposing their targets onto the face of his wife's killer in his memory. Yeah. So he, As, he wakes even assuming up, that yeah. there is one. Right. We don't even know, did he even have a wife? Yeah, and we don't know what his background is. So what is, because uh, to me, that seems like that would have been the big reveal, that this wasn't uh, real. And so he's this, he wakes up, they told him, we brought you back to life to be our ultimate killer. He says, I've got something to do first. And he goes and kills his wife's killer. And then he wakes up again. And they say, we've uh, brought you back to life to be our ultimate killer. And he says, I have something to do. And then he goes and kills his wife's killer again. So, yeah, Groundhog Day, Universal Soldier. Yeah. Well, they certainly indicate more, I think, in the second movie that as this goes along, he starts he starts getting these moments of deja vu, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I think the premise of of the movie is specifically how how he's being manipulated, but how he's able to fight against that manipulation. Mm-hmm. Maybe and, leaving himself clues, or but yeah, definitely you can tell from the trailer there th- these moments where he hears a song, he hears this the Johnny Cash song that they play mm-hmm. of, of memories that starts up his programming, and he's like, "Is this thing on repeat or something?" <laughs> And it's like, yeah, technically, yes, it is. Yes, it is. So, uh, but it does look like a, a fascinating piece of um, of sci-fi. Of course, it's based off the comic book. So it certainly looks uh, fascinating to me. I definitely want to check Not that Dark out. Not Dark Horse. What is it? Uh, what's the comic book company that does it? Was it a Valiant? Valiant, or? yes. They don't get a lot of love. No, you know, they they have a few things out there, and they don't. They're not very not as big as uh, you know the Marvel or the DC, uh, but you know they got some yeah. good stuff out there. So check them. Well, out. Well, you know that's the thing that I I've noticed with I mean, and this was the same thing with um, you know back in the eighties and the, and the golden age of horror is that when it became really popular, they started mining any 
anything they could. So now that you know you have Marvel uh, Marvel comic movies are doing really well and DC starting to catch up, a lot of companies are looking for different properties mm-hmm. to create, you know, and uh, they really do even though it, in a sense it doesn't feel like a superhero movie, you know, in the trailer they say, you know, the superhero movie just got an upgrade. Although he doesn't I mean, he has superpowers because of the nanites, but uh, I mean, it's not your typical superhero movie, but they certainly play it, play up the superhero aspect, obviously, since superhero movies are really popular right now, for sure. But uh, they're spending a, a, a great deal of time, I would say, to, to develop that. So I'll also mention they and this just came out today. I don't even know if you knew about this, but they we've got a new Black Widow trailer just came out. No, I didn't. Yeah. Yay. In this one, of course, they are really playing up the Taskmaster. You see a lot more of the Taskmaster in this one. And he's as badass as you would expect him <laughs> to be. He looks amazing. The way that they're playing him off, he, you know, again, if you're familiar with him in the comics, he has photographic reflexes. So any any moves that he sees somebody do, he can repeat them. Uh, and he okay. learns how to basically how to do them. Adaptive muscle memory. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so... He just has to see somebody do something once and he's able to do it. So there's that great scene where he's fighting Black Widow and he's basically copying her moves, hmm. move for move, because, mm-hmm. you know, as she does things, he learns how to do them instantly. So and uh, he does have the shield. I was wondering if they were going to give him the shield and sword like in the comics. And yes, he does. He has them. So and of course, he has the shield because he's seen he's seen Captain America in the news. And so he's he has his move set. I mean, if there was any more question of whether or not, you know, I wanted to see this movie, obviously I was going to see it anyway. But yeah, this definitely has me excited for for more of that. Another trailer that dropped, the movie that flat out just will not die, The New Mutants. (laughs) Oh, really? I didn't even know that, you know, that was still happening. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we've been talking about that for a Mm -hmm. while because... Uh, they, uh, it's been for, you know, it's like, was it, were they going to put it out? Were they not going to put it out? So they are going to put it out. Was it going to be a horror movie? Was it going to be a PG-13 movie? Was it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, it was supposed to come out two years ago. This tells you, this tells you how long this, uh, whole production mess... purgatory. Yeah. I mean, w- I thought it was going to die or be, re- you know, released straight to video or whatever, <laughs> but, or in this case, straight to Disney plus, but no, they were, they're bringing, they, it's coming out February the 7th. And here's the weird thing about it. It, uh, the movie showed up in D on the D 23 website. And so everybody was like, Oh my God, they're making, they're going to make this part of the Marvel cinematic universe. And then suddenly they were like, wait a minute. No, we're not. And they took, they took the uh, page down. Hmm. But there was there was a minute there that they thought uh, that people were thinking that this was going to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They were going to put it there, and uh, which of course would be the first mention of mutants in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it would be of course you know with the new mutants. Uh, one thing I noticed from the trailer is a lot of the powers are very comic accurate, okay. which I wasn't sure they were going to do that. I mean these are these are the characters that are directly out of the New Mutants comic, mm-hmm. which surprised me. But, I mean, there's been shoots and reshoots with this film. I mean, again, it's, it was supposed to come out two years ago. It's now it's coming out now. Part of this, too, is I have to say, and this is sort of a, uh, of course, I'll go more into this, but later on on another story, but I know that Marvel can be a little nervous about stepping away from the formula too too much. Mm-hmm. And making a horror movie, a superhero horror movie, that I would say for them that 
that, that makes them a little bit nervous and how nervous we're going to talk about here in a little while. But that's why I think this movie, as, as many reshoots that they've done and all the problems that it's had, I don't know how good this movie's actually going to be. But you know it'll be better than Cats? Well, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, the one thing is, I'm for a lot of reasons, I'm invested in this movie doing well. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I'm definitely invested in seeing a superhero movie that's that's not part of the formula, shall we say, to do well because of course that expands what kind of storytelling you can do in that in in that genre. But speaking of horror movies, superhero movies, we did get a trailer here the last few days, uh the trailer for Morbius dropped. Oh, I never went back to watch it. I saw that it was out, but I never watched it. There's a lot of interesting things in that trailer because we do get a Spider-Man reference in the trailer. Okay. Well, we get two of them. Hmm. One is we do see a poster of Spider-Man on the wall with murderer written on it, which, of course, is a reference to oh. to the uh, end credit scene in uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. But what was interesting about this, and a lot of people have been speculating, is the picture of Spider-Man is Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Huh. Not Andrew Garfield, of course, not Tom Holland, but they went back that far. Huh. And so people were wondering, why did they use that picture? Uh-huh. And what's interesting is it's, it's, a, it's a picture of that suit, of the Sam Raimi suit from the Spider-Man video game. So are they referencing the Spider-Man video game? Are they re- refer- you know, what are they referencing exactly? But then at the end of the trailer... Of course, we get the vulture at the end of it. I mean, it looks like the vulture where he, he's talking to uh, to Michael Morbius and goes, uh, so uh, how's this hero thing working out for you? <laughs> so we get that wonderful moment where, uh, you know, Batman's talking to the Joker in a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, however that works out. But uh, but there's a lot of speculation about exactly what this, uh, how this film is going to turn out. But again, it definitely has that strong horror aspect to it with you know you get to see jared leto full michael morbius you know and uh not a pleasant sight for sure Mm -hmm. i mean he's definitely bestial vampire uh vampiric and again we we're running into a situation where it's it looks like it's going to be a a flat-out horror movie it's the trailer makes it look like a horror movie and so we're getting uh this will be another Marvel-based horror movie, which I'm deeply invested in it working out for a bunch of reasons, which we will definitely talk about later for sure. But before we get to that part, let's talk a little bit of Marvel television news, because the uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they have uh, halted production on the TV show indefinitely at this point. Hmm. A reason for that being is they um, they were heading to Puerto Rico to film. And, uh, of course, they uh, Puerto Rico just had this huge 6.4 magnitude earthquake. Oh, yeah. So that's kind of shut everything mm-hmm. down at this point. Now, they haven't said that whether or not this is going to delay the release of the show. But, I mean, obviously, at, as of right now, they're not going to be able to shoot anything mm-hmm. down there. But uh, at this point, they've put production on hold indefinitely. So there's no telling when they're going to be starting up again, but uh, that's put a uh, a kibosh on things at this point. But speaking of bad news in Marvel, we have to bring this up. Scott Derrickson is no longer going to be directing uh, Doctor Strange 2. And there's been a lot of speculation about why that, that is. Uh, he cited, as tends to get cited in these situations, creative differences. 
Now, there have been people who have gone back into his Twitter feed and reading a lot of, reading his tweets and have seen references to how movie release dates are the enemy of, of art, how he had a conversation with Ryan Johnson that made him feel better about certain things. This sounds like there's been some issues between what Marvel wanted and what he wanted to do in the movie. And I, I feel that a lot of that probably has to do with Derrickson wants to do a more horror-based uh, movie. And they aren't, uh, you know, Kevin Feige and Marvel, they're not that interested in straying that far away from, let's just call it, the formula. And I I think it's important for them to be to be able to, to do a straight-out horror film for this. I think that's the way to go because after a while, you're just going to get bored of the same formula with movies. <laughs> I think if Marvel is going to continue to do as well as it does, they're going to need to they're they're going to need to stray away from the formula because if the movies become formulaic, people are going to become bored with them. Now, I do understand uh, that uh, if you do a horror film, you're going to lose some viewers. There's going to be some people who do not like horror movies and they're not going to go see one, even if it says Marvel on it. I get that. But I don't think that every Marvel film has to make a mil- uh, make a billion dollars. I, you know, I, it doesn't, it doesn't have to. And I think that for the, for the sake of the storytelling and as well as, you know, keeping things going, you have to be willing to, to make films that, you know, that have a, uh, uh, a little different take on the Marvel universe, and that's one reason why I said before that I'm I'm really invested in New Mutants and Morbius doing well, because if it does well, maybe that'll show Marvel, hey, you can you can do more horror aspects to the to your movies, and it'll be fine. You'll still do well. I mean, honestly, the only reason why they're doing an R-rated uh, Deadpool three is because Deadpool one and Deadpool two did so well. So. It's there's no real worry about, you know, that they're going into uncharted territory there because it's already been proven that, yeah, people people will go see the Deadpool, even though it's an R rated film. And so, I mean, for me, I think it's it's important that uh, that Marvel have, you know, a wider palette to be able to to do different things. And so but I, I don't think as far as, you know, bringing horror elements into Doctor Strange, how comfortable they're going to feel doing doing that until maybe some other Marvel properties being done by Sony do well, and so they'll feel more comfortable with it. And so, like I said, I'm really invested in these films doing well so that, you know, Marvel feels, you know, Marvel Studios feels better about it, I think. But, uh... I mean, you don't watch an awful lot of horror movies, but let me ask you, I mean, I mean, with uh, with Doctor Strange, with them talking about it being more of a of a horror film, would that have kept you from watching it? No, mm-mm. Um, I think it's it sounds interesting. And there's so many if, if you are going to limit yourself to the just the superhero comics, you're missing out on a whole bunch. I mean, let's uh, oh, uh, from hell. You know, uh, which they did do a movie of, but uh, that that's definitely a horror comic, and it def and it oh, it yeah. could be it could be a series in itself. I mean, you you are you're really limiting yourself um, when you could uh, see Thirty Days of Night. 
um, there's so many good graphic novel uh, comic series. You know, comic doesn't mean, you know, automatically mean funny or superhero. It uh, There's vast, you know, uh, genres out there that you can pick from. And if you're only going to do one thing, you're really going to limit yourself. So I don't think that would be a good idea for anyone, not just Marvel, but anyone who is choosing to do. Um, I don't even remember what studio is doing Bloodshot. Um but it's, you know, that's, they're taking a risk. Um, it's not as well known as, you know, some of the others or, uh, but they're taking a risk and it looks like it's going to be good. Even if I think they've given away the twist, I don't think that was a good idea, but there could be something else going on in the movie that I don't know yet. Yeah, so. that, that's, that's, that's definitely true. And I, I would say that Bloodshot, I think uh, they're playing more on it being a Vin Diesel movie than, say, a superhero oh, movie. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Dead Wife, it's automatically. Uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely, I mean, it certainly looks like it's going to be, I mean, it's 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 a uh, definitely a, a Vin Diesel movie and uh, Vin Diesel and Jason Statham bald guys whose wives get killed in the in in the cold open of every movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean it's like I, I always find it funny people you know uh, any uh, any ladies that 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 tell me they would love to to be married to them I'm like well at least not in one of their movies you, no, you should uh, I mean including the best movie ever made in the name of the king to- <laughs> Dungeon Siege in the name of the king. Oh, yeah. Well, you, there you go. Well, you know, hey, uh, you know, not that I'm an expert on women, but, you know, I hear that being avenged is so romantic. <laughs> so since we're we're in the Hollywood moment, we of course, we have to talk about the Oscars because they've just made Oscar announcements. Yeah, not, um, not many surprises. No, definitely That's not. Not a lot pretty of much what. Uh, what you expected from. Well, I, I will tell you what. The one thing that, of course, I was on. um and I can't take it back because I said it on the podcast, so you can go back and see that I said this. So I can't take it back, but uh, I remember saying that I thought that uh, that they would uh, nominate Endgame for Best Picture as you know to say you know that this was the one Oscar for all the films that they did, you know, just like they did, you know, with the Lord, Lord of the, the Rings. Rings trilogy that the last one got the Oscar. Mm-hmm. And that didn't happen at all, not in the slightest. In no, fact, well, with Lord of the Rings, you know, that was a lean year. But this was a heavy, heavy year oh, for Oscar Lord. bait. Oh, yes. I mean, we had the historical dramas. We had the biopics. We had mental illness. I mean, everything everything that is just the Oscar bait. I mean, they just reached out and smashed oh, yeah. it. Yeah, basically, Endgame, they, have a nom, uh, they got a nomination for visual effects, and that's it. That's that's all that they got. Now, that's not to say that the Oscars were ignoring superhero movies, for sure, because Joker got 11 Oscar nominations. Yeah, but it, it, like you talk about the formula, it goes against the superhero formula. Yeah. And it's uh, mental illness. It's looking through the eyes of the villain. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about before how there's a lot of parallels to Taxi Driver in this one. Oh, and absolutely. so it's not really... Uh, that depended on the comic books, which is what made it interesting for me. And it sounded, it seemed kind of strange. It got uh, a nomination for best adaptive screenplay because yeah. it's not, it's not really being adapted from the comic books, mm-hmm. but because of that character that says, you know, adaptive screenplay. So. I mean, we got Joker and we got Gotham City and Thomas Wayne. That's about, that's about uh, it as far as, you know, and it's, again, it's just characters popped over. Yeah, uh, you know, maybe it gives us a reason why. But uh, something that I guess did uh, not really surprising, but unusual out of the ordinary, I think, was Netflix 
Yeah. Netflix getting some noms there. They got two uh, best pictures and, you know, actors in both those oh, yeah. pictures, you know, getting the small screen, getting nominated. That's Well, you uh, know, here's the thing. And this is going back to what we talked about before, you know, about stepping out, you know, outside the box and being, you know, afraid to uh, Marvel being afraid to 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 go against their formula and other studios basically looking for a formula that works. It's made them very cautious about what they, what they put out. And because the, you know, because of that, you know, a lot of other places like Netflix who are willing to take those chances, it's really starting to pay off. And so I think that we're going to see something like we saw, you know, back in the, you know, in the fifties and the sixties where, you know, independent films really started to, to take off because studios weren't that willing to go into certain things. And, you know, I mean, once... that was back when studios owned actors right. and, you know, they would trade them like, like baseball cards and Pokemon. Yeah. Well, and you had that moment basically where, where you had the defranchisement of, of, um, of movie theaters where, you know, where, of course, back in the day, you know, studios would own theaters. And so if you wanted so to you see... So you had it, five in, like, every town. Exactly, <laughs> because the MGM theaters would play the MGM movies. Well, you know, once all that went away and independent movies could get into those theaters and they started doing really well, then, of course, then you get, you know, movies like Midnight Cowboy, where the studios saw, hey, this works. You know, they basically duplicated the formula and they were able to to put those movies out and they were successful. And so in a real sense, you know, with uh, Netflix being getting, like you said, getting two movies in there for best picture and they're not standard, you know, formulaic Hollywood films. I mean, they're not films that a Hollywood studio would have taken a chance on, even with a name, a name director like Martin Scorsese, mm-hmm. which that should be enough, but it just isn't anymore. But the fact that, um, you know, that these that you have these films out there that are doing well and, and getting Oscar nods, you know, maybe Hollywood will feel comfortable to start taking some chances on, on films like this. And this might help kind of rejuvenate Hollywood and help it, you know, get its courage back and put out some different things. You know, uh, it's funny because uh, we, we can mention Scarlett Johansson has two Oscar nominations. Mm hmm. One for Best Actress in Marriage Story and one for Best Supporting Actress in Jojo Rabbit. And both of these are films that are, even though one is a studio film and the other one's a Netflix film, but they're both films that are not uh, typical Hollywood movies. I haven't seen Jojo Rabbit, but I do love... Wes Anderson, and it reminds me of a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, it definitely has that feel. <laughs> and I mean, Taika Waititi is just an, mm-hmm. he's an amazing writer, director. And the fact that he took it again, and we've talked about this on the, on the podcast before, but it's a film that you're, you're taking a risk mm-hmm. for sure. It's like, well, we're going to have, uh, we're going to have this child character who has Adolf Hitler as his imaginary friend. Uh, and didn't know it until uh, I saw that it got best adapted screenplay that this was a book (laughs) before it was a movie so wow (laughs) yeah somebody yeah somebody went there so Mm -hmm. but uh yeah i'm you know so my like i said my hope is that with 
you know, with things like Netflix and, of course, now with Apple Plus and, you know, you have all the streaming stuff. And we've been talking about the streaming wars forever, for sure. But the fact that we now have all these different venues that's, that are willing to take chances and put things out, I think that that's going to be really good for Hollywood if they're going to be willing to follow suit and maybe come out with some some new stuff. So. But I, I do have to mention this. Let's let's get away from Hollywood for a moment and let's talk Build a Bear. So, okay, why? what, uh, Baby Yoda? <laughs> yes, yes, Baby Yoda. Oh, well, I mean, finally. We had, well, everybody's been asking forever. You mm-hmm. know, Build a Bear has had a. They've had uh, you know this deal with uh, um, with Star Wars forever. You know, and oh, so yeah. you've been able to get Star Wars Build a Bear stuff for years. Yeah. Um, and so it was only a matter of time. I'm sure that the the minute Baby Yoda appeared, there you know mm-hmm. Build a Bear was on the phone. It's like, look, we got a license with Why you. Why don't we have this yet? And yeah, give us. Uh, uh, I forget who was pointed out to me because I said I was like, why haven't they? Why didn't we have this beforehand? Someone pointed out to me that. They probably didn't want to spoil the surprise of right. Baby Yoda, and that if they had been in production of making these toys, then definitely someone would have leaked it and been like, hey, there's going to be a Baby Yoda. Well, I mean, we've seen how many times toys have spoiled major plots in, in, <laughs> in Marvel movies. I mean, how many times has that happened? It's happened forever. So, yeah, I'm sure that, that they pretty much kept that under wraps. But, uh, but yeah, Build-A-Bear, they've been really big on getting the uh, getting the the geek license because they announced this back in September. We haven't talked about this. This hasn't come out yet. And I'm not sure when this is going to happen, but build a bear just got this big license with BBC to do Dr. Who build a bears. Oh, so, they're going to have teeny tiny little Tom Baker scarves. It's going to be so cute. Yep. And so <laughs> I've already seen, uh, I've seen pictures of what will be the, you know, David Tennant, uh, so if, I think if, I've seen the Jodie Whittaker bear. I could be I could be just imagining it in my head, but yeah, that's well, I so mean, exciting. Yeah, so <laughs> you'll so yeah, build a bear. Be, you know, if you you know you want to get your geek on at night, you know, there you go. You I can, would love to be able to uh, build a Dalek and then dress it in a Doctor Who uh, costume. That be oh, there you go. The that'd uh, be really funny. Yeah, that, that, there you go. So that's uh, but now that we're talking about Doctor Who, of course, you know what that means. Time for What the Who? Yes, and uh, of course, uh, we're going to be talking about episode three mm-hmm. called Orphan 55. Orphan and 55. And there's going to be spoilers, folks. I mean, yes. obviously, we're going we're gonna to spoil the heck out of this mm-hmm. one. So if you haven't seen it yet, please feel free to uh, pause everything, watch it, and we, uh, we'll you come, see you back here. We'll see you back here. And so Orphan 55. Wow. So yes. There, yeah, there's... Mm-hmm. You know, them continuing on with uh, situations where you're like, how's the doctor going to get out of this one? We, yes. we we get a monster that I pretty creepy. Definitely. Mm-hmm. This is definitely your uh, hide behind the couch moment. Mm-hmm. And of course, we get that big reveal at the end. You know, it's Earth. So they, you maniacs, you blew it up. You blew it up. <laughs> yes, it was very it was very, I think, classic who classic mm-hmm. Star Trek and Twilight Zone. Oh, yeah, for sure. All, you know. All wrapped into one. It was great. I I love the cheesy uh, furry costume of Hyphen with a three. Oh, she yeah. Was, she was awesome. Uh, she, she With her tail, she was just adorable. And, you know, then you find out that uh, your reality is a, is you're, you're in a box. You know, it's, uh, that's where, where I really feel like the, the Twilight Zone. And, oh, yeah. And, you know, 
that it was Earth all along. Oh yeah, well that that moment when the uh, well, of course they were known as the Drex, when that uh, when the Drek King or leader picks up uh, the Doctor Jodie Whittaker by her neck and is holding her by the and her legs are kicking. I'm like, <laughs> oh wow, did they really go here and do this? Yeah, they did for sure. Yep. Now one thing we def- like I said we talked about this uh, already. The whole twist at the end that you find out is that that there that this planet. Uh, that's named Orphan 55 that's basically these orphan planets that, that their ecosystems have been destroyed and they're basically unfit for human life. Earth got used up. Yeah. <laughs> and so you find out Orphan 55 is Earth in the future because of climate change. You know, it's, it's, it's completely not, right. We don't have a breathable atmosphere anymore. So we've got this little dome of a spa that makes you think you're on this paradise. Right. And you know. And you have the dre- you have, yeah, and you have the Drex who are able to Basically, they are kind of matrixy there too. Then, yeah, they are. You know, they are the last of the human species that were able to adapt and learn how to breathe carbon monoxide. And you know, um, but they're big, scary monster characters. Mm-hmm. But the one, that, and of course, I was expecting the minute they did that reveal, you know, people were going to go, "Oh, they're here. They are. You know, bunch of progressive SJWs. Here we go. That they're going to be." preaching at us about, you know, global warming and all that stuff. And I will say this, and I, I mean, I do have to do have to say this about this episode as, you know, as a writer, everyone will always tell you that, you know, if you want to send a message, call Western Union, you know, is that <laughs> stories aren't a place to, to get political. And let's be honest, Doctor Who in the past has definitely gotten political, especially when it comes mm-hmm. to environmental. I mean, you can look at Pertwee's, you know, mm-hmm. you get Inferno and the Green Death and, you know, as far back as that. So it's not like Doctor Who has never been political before. No, so. and, you know, this and as far as sci-fi, this isn't new. Like, you know, we were saying you maniacs, you blew it up at the big nuclear scare. I mean, that's what it is. There's people in Planet of the Apes. I'm sorry, uh, we've been t- talking about this, not even mentioning. We're talking about Planet of the Apes. Yes. Spoiler alert, it's Earth. <laughs> and they've blown it up. And beneath the Planet of the Apes, there are people worshipping a bomb. Right. So, I mean, this... That's what that was the scary, the big scary thing of that time. And now this is kind of our big scary thing right now is climate change and everything that's doing. Uh, you know, the the brush fires in Australia have never had this much devastation right. before. And so, you know, um, that's kind of where we're at. This is this is just the big thing right now. You know, in another 10 years, it'll be something different. And well, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. You know, possibly mm-hmm. it might be. But here, here's the thing. And, I, and I'm saying, again, I'm saying this as a writer. Um, I, you know, I, like I said, some, a, a, lot of, a, a lot of writers and a, a, lot of, of the, um, a lot of people will tell you, you know, that you shouldn't have a message in your stories. And I don't agree with that. I absolutely don't agree with that. I mm-hmm. think that some of the best stories do have messages in them. But that being said, I understand why people say not to put messages in your stories, because you can do it. Uh, if you do it, you can do it wrong and you mm-hmm. can do it wrong in a big way. And I got to say, as a Doctor Who fan <laughs> and loving Doctor Who as I am, I can't. I, I also have to say as a writer, yeah, they c- kind of did it wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. And the reason for that is, of course, you get the big speech at the end where they're where basically your characters are lecturing the audience. 
that the one of the biggest problems you can run into when you're dealing with a story that has a message in it is as a writer you become so invested in the message that you want to make absolutely sure that the audience gets the message and so because of that you can be really ham-handed with your message and i think toward the end they they got really ham-handed mm-hmm. i i have to say that and which wasn't necessary again you look at stories like uh, The Crucible. I mean, that story is is an allegory for McCarthyism. Mm-hmm. And that was the point of it. Is Are they you w- a communist? Are you a witch? Exactly. I saw so-and-so with a communist. I saw so-and-so with a devil. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. That's exactly what was going on there. So, yes, great stories have messages. But the thing about it is when you are so invested in the audience getting that message, you know, a lot of bad writing can come out of that. And I think if you if you want to deliver a good message in a story, you have to be willing to take the risk that somebody in your audience isn't going to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's I the guess, thing. Uh, X-Men 2 is a is a good one. Yeah. Uh, have you tried not being a mutant? You know, have you tried not being gay? Uh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, subtle, again, subtle, I guess. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing about it is it's like, well, again, you know, there are, I'm sure there are people who read the uh, read the Crucible who didn't realize, oh, my God, they're talking about McCarthy. Well, of course, the first time I uh, I performed because I've performed it twice. Mm-hmm. First time I performed uh, the Crucible, I was 12. So I didn't know. I didn't even realize, you know, the, the way they coached us through the acting portion of that, that I was faking it. <laughs> I thought that I was really possessed by uh, by spirits and and was really seeing the devil and really seeing birds and things like that. Uh, so and then you were like, oh, wait a minute. Wait no. a second. You know, and later when you study it in school, uh, and you course, realize, wait a it's minute. high school before. Well, here where we live uh, in West Virginia, it's high school before you read the crucible. Um, so and that's when you start studying it and you look at the parallels and the like. And Oh, yeah. Start really critically thinking about literature. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, like I said, my my complaint with this episode had to be the fact that, like, at the end, we basically get, you know, we, the audience, get lectured. (laughs) And the the message, I mean, they they basically just drilled it into your head because they wanted to make sure that you understood what was going on here. And I think a lot of subtlety was lost in that for sure. Not to say it's not a serious problem, but when you're, um, again, when you're writing a story where you want to put a message in there, you know, you have to, you have to use some tools of subtlety for sure. Um, the minute you start drilling a message into your, into your reader or your viewer or whatever is, you know, when you, when your message becomes less effective. But I mean, besides that, I really, I, I did enjoy the episode and, uh, I'm, Looking forward to the to next week because uh, it's we got get this, a historical. We get it. Well, we do get a historical, mm-hmm. and uh, it. Uh, I have to say that as far as naming episodes go, this is got to be one of the most fun names ever. Which is it's, it's going to be called Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. <laughs> so that sounds like that's going to be a, mm-hmm. a really fun episode to to check out, and of course uh, tonight we get the two part. Uh, finish for um, Crisis on Infinite Earths, so that series. So, which I I've, I've seen the first three, and uh, I'll be watching, I guess, the two parter tonight to see how everything ends. And I guess we definitely we can talk about that next week for sure. 
And, uh, of course, we'll have that and and Doctor Who, and uh, we'll see what else develops uh, over the coming week. And so, with that said, we come to the end of Episode 96 of the Geek Watch Podcast. Thank you for listening, and tune in next time for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch Podcast. From Andy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher, reminding all the geek watchers out there, we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch Podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch Podcast is a Hanging J production.